Welcome to Northern Exposure, the podcast that we hope will help Canadian medical students explore their potential future careers as Canadian physicians. We're your hosts. I'm Ann Keller. And I'm Hannah Levy. Our guest today is Dr. Philippe Fan. Dr. Fan is an orthopedic spine surgeon with a special interest in spinal deformity and oncology at the Ottawa Hospital and an associate professor at the University of Ottawa. He completed his MD at the University of Ottawa, his orthopedic surgery residency and PhD in biomedical science at the University of Montreal, and his orthopedic spine fellowship at Harvard University. Dr. Fan's area of research focus are in prediction of spinal injury and surgery outcomes and use of artificial intelligence for analysis of large surgical databases. So welcome, Dr. Fan. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. So just a general roadmap for our conversation today. It's divided into three parts. The first set of questions is asking you to tell us about yourself and your job. The second is to tell us about kind of how you landed where you are currently. And then finally, we'd really like to dig into the nitty gritty details about what you do kind of on a day to day or week to week basis. One of the reasons that we wanted to start this podcast is because we wanted to get a feel for what specialties are really like. And we really want to hear about sort of the actual day to day of what life looks like in in different specialties, as well as the different ways that a career can develop and the variety of opportunities within each specialty. So to that end, uh, can you give us an elevator pitch for your job as an orthopedic spine surgeon? In other words, like a short sales pitch for your specialty. All right. So. I will start with orthopedics in general because before being an orthopedic spine surgeon, I was a general orthopedic surgeon as well. I think that uh, orthopedics is uh, probably, in my mind, uh, the best specialty available for curious minds who want to do something with their hands. The reason why uh, I got on a lot of people get into orthopedics is because they like the human body. You really have so many joints that you can uh, care about. It's particularly true that athletes particularly have an interest in orthopedics because of the biomechanics uh, of it and uh, being able to restore it or improve it. And you will realize that orthopedic is so broad that most of people that are uh, following their uh, general orthopedics residency uh, will try to specialize because there's so much to learn about each of the joints. As an orthopedic spine surgeon, then uh, I would say that I chose a specialty because the outcome is so drastic and change the life of one's person so drastically, helping them to a walk again, helping them to relieve from the pain from a, a nerve that's impinged. Uh, I think that you can make a great difference in people. And also because uh, I was very attracted by the anatomy of the spine uh, with respect to uh, the deformity of it that can uh, occur and being able to help people to stand straight and walk straight. Uh, so for all those reasons, uh, orthopedic surgeon uh, interested me. Thanks for that. Um, and how do you feel that, you know, per, your personality complements uh, that specialty? So you, you'll find often that uh, I'm in a generation, uh, Generation X, and uh, one of the uh, mentors is uh, work hard, play hard. And uh, it felt very, very appropriate for me to get into orthopedic surgery. If you look at the crowd of people who get into orthopedic surgery, I would say that most of the time uh, we have some very, very nice colleagues who get along well. And, you know, that's for the play hard part of things because it, it is it is a demanding specialty. Most of the time you do your residency in a trauma center, being up uh, all night. And this is a kind of an endurance thing, I would say. And I think that that fitted well for the specialty. With respect to the spine, what I think what, what fits well is because it can go from very big surgeries. So I'm talking about 12, 14 hour surgeries with or you open the whole spine and you're trying to, to make it straight and 
or take a, take off a tumor, and it goes into the minacy of it. Uh, so you go, you lie the patient down, and and then you have the big exposure, and then you go into the detail of the nerves. And so that's this big variety that I found very interesting and that very enjoyed. And so I would say that that aspect of working hard is is really what attracted me to that uh, subspecialty of orthopedics. We like to take a look at what the perceptions of a given specialty are as part of our podcast and then bounce those off of our guests. In our research on this podcast, we came across a few studies examining medical students' perceptions, specifically the negative perceptions of orthopedic surgery was it's a heavily male-dominated field. The work is physically demanding and there's a lack of work-life balance. And in Canada specifically, it's thought that there is a lack of jobs upon completion of training. So what are your thoughts on those ideas? All right, so I'm going to take each of those points. The first part about the heavily male-dominated field, I think it's very true. If you look kind of the history of orthopedics uh, and orthopedic surgery, it, it was so demanding, I think, that most people would be uh, male surgeons because they would spend their life at the hospital. And in some ways, incompatible with family life where they would need to be at home a lot. But this is changing uh, heavily, and I will get into that uh, a bit later. And the fact that it's uh, male-dominated, I think, is changing as well. In fact, there are more and more women in each of the class of orthopedics, in addition to which uh, leaders in orthopedics are changing. So, for example, uh, the American Association of Orthopedic Surgeons just had a female president, and we're expecting that next year, uh, at the Canadian Orthopedic Association, a female president will be also president of the association. So uh, this is, I think this is something that's definitely changing. And it's for the best. I think that female surgeons are bringing something to the specialty that we didn't have, a certain sensibility uh, to the specialty that's required, that uh, we're welcoming. Uh, in my own group, we used to be three uh, male orthopedic surgeons. We just had a, I did a female orthopedic surgeon, and we can feel the difference. So I, I don't think in any way that female medical students should be reluctant to get into orthopedics because of that impression that it's heavily male-dominated. Second thing, it's a physically demanding work. I think that this is not really true. Yes, we do deal with uh, heavy organs uh, sometimes. Like if you do a hip surgery on a heavy patient, you might need to do uh, lift heavy weights or things like that. But uh, among the best surgeons I've seen were 50 to 60 kilograms uh, residents and were as capable, if not more capable than I am in, in doing the orthopedic surgery. It's about technique. It's not about strength. And I would say most of the time, that's why I tell my residents, it's about your technique. So... I certainly wouldn't let uh, somebody be feeling challenged because they don't have the, the don't feel they have the strength to do that. With respect to hours, it is true. Orthopedic surgery uh, has always been very demanding with respect to work hours, and the reason for that is because the access to the operating room historically has and still is in many ways based on urgency of the surgeries, and because we're doing bone broken bones. Uh, you know, all the other specialty will go in front and then you would be the one walking at the uh, middle of the night doing your, uh, fixing your hip or your ankle or things like that. But this is changing. You know, our specialty is becoming uh, more and more specialized. Like, you know, you have surgeons who only do trauma and they would have like day rooms to do their traumas. And therefore, they're not required to walk at night. We only do the real emergency at night. Studies have shown that we actually don't do as well at night when we operate as we do during the day. And this is taken into consideration now in the hospitals and people operate more during the day. So I think that the the, the dominating work, this is changing as well for orthopedics, uh, which goes to the work, work-life balance as well. The uh, orthopedic surgeons used to do everything. They used, you used to be an orthopedic surgeon. You would do the trauma. You would do uh, your elective uh, hip surgery. This is changing. Like uh, Once you're done orthopedics, most of the people will do some trauma if you're in the community. 
And so uh, this is a trauma that you can handle uh, most of the day, time by postponing and doing the, doing during the day. Uh, or if you're doing like tertiary care trauma, then you uh, you do it in the middle. Uh, rarely you would do it in the middle of the night. And if you need to do it in the middle of the night, then usually you have a group with which uh, you can balance. And if you do, you're on call during the night and the day after you'd have the day off and whatnot. So uh, because of the studies that we have shown that we don't operate well and then we need to also preserve ourselves and uh, be careful about the work-life balance. I think the, all specialties being becoming very conscious of that and it's not true, but it's changing. Uh, but it is, if we compare to other specialties, overall, I would say, yes, it is a demanding uh, specialty physically and in terms of endurance. With respect to the lack of jobs available, uh, you know, when I when I got into training, we were told that you wouldn't ha- need uh, to look for a job. People will come and see you for a job. And it wasn't that long ago. I graduated in 2006, so we're thinking about 15 years ago. Uh, and by the time I graduated, that's when we started to feel that there were a lack of of, uh, of spots. And the reason for that is because our, our public association was saying, well, we're running out of uh, surgeons and we're being overworked. So more surgeons were trained. Uh, but on the other side, it's not that we don't have any surgeon. It's like the uh, availability of resources did not follow the demand. Ultimately, if you look into orthopedics and you feel this is the right field for you and you are attracted by the specialty, because what you can do with your hands and help people that way in their in the musculoskeletal system, I would say don't don't base yourself on that, uh, because I think that a lot of people choose orthopedics because it's fascinating, they're passionate about it, and I would encourage you to just go for it if you feel that that's what you want to do, and not, don't look at the job uh, situation, because if you're really passionate and you do your job well, uh, from what I've seen, you'll find a job, ultimately. We've heard the advice that uh, attempting to predict the physician job market at the time when you're applying for residency is somewhat futile. Would you agree with that? I, I would say yes. Uh, I mean, I, I would be honest with you. I've been very lucky uh, with respect to uh, uh, to the job prospect. But I think you have the the idea is like you have to be proactive. Uh, a lot of and I, I tell that to my residents. I'm like, well. You know, there's no job, but have you started to contact some, some of my residents want to go back, for example, where they're from out east? And I'm like, well, do the hospital out east know your name? Do you, they know that you're finishing and do you know what they're looking for? And I think you have to be proactive. I think that uh, when I was in second or third year of, of residency, I was already talking with the people in Ottawa because I love Ottawa as a city. And I, 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 I contacted the community hospital. I contacted the, the tertiary care center here and, and you know, told them my plans. And they knew about my plans. And luckily, I worked at the community center first, went for my fellowship after, came back and worked at the tertiary center. But th- those things just appeared. And I think that it's, well, I think you have to also make those opportunities happen for you. You have to open the doors. And, and people are very receptive. It is a small world, though, that you have to be, uh, we have to be honest. And then, you know, uh, you, the word of mouth goes fast. So, you know, if you work hard and uh, you, uh, you're not too crazy, you'll find a job. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Uh, and we are going to get back to asking you a bit more about your your journey and, and how you ended up where you are. Uh, but just before we move on to that, do you think that there are any other stereotypes of orthopedics or of spine surgery specifically uh, that people have? And what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, so, you know, the I think I think the, the most common stereotypes is like uh, the orthopedic surgeon are the gorillas. <laughs> Of, uh, of the you know uh, of, of of medicine you know like uh, with no brain all all in the arms all in the strength and I, 
you know, I, that's fine with me. Like, you know, I, I'm on here to laugh. But uh, when I applied to orthopedics, it's changing a bit, but it's, it was still one of the most competitive specialty. And in the States, if you look, it's still one of the most top-rated specialty. I would say over there, it's probably uh, also related to the uh, income you can make from it. But I think that actually it's an extremely complex specialty and you can make it as medical as you want. Uh, people who are very interested in the uh, medical aspect of it, or the biology, uh, often choose oncology because then you work also with the pathologist and you work with a, a radiologist. It can be very uh, multidisciplinary as well. So I don't think that orthopedics is as isolated as uh, people think with respect to uh, not being medical. And even the psychosocial part of things, I think that the orthopedics has a lot to offer. I do spine. And, you know, uh, back pain, everybody has back pain, and it, it often alters the mind, and the mind often expresses itself with back pain. So there's a lot of that, I think, that, that goes into account. So uh, I think that actually a lot of facets of medicine appear in, in orthopedics, you know, and you have like all the ages uh, in orthopedics. It's not focused at all. You have pathologies for the children, you have pathologies for the young adult with this, this for sports injury, then you have the elderly, and then you have the palliative care as well. Uh, so I think it's it's uh, the the stereotype of orthopedics is like uh, you know those uh, uh, surgeons that you know are just like focus on playing with the power tools and don't do any uh, don't have a, don't do real medicine. And I, I I would say that that's actually not true. I think if you want to be a good orthopedic surgeon, you have to be sensitive about uh, the medical components. You have to certify the risk for your patients when you take them for surgery. And, uh, you know, you have to have good medical knowledge to a certain extent. We won't be the one to treat uh, the MI or we won't be the one to treat the PE, but we'll be the one who should be starting the investigation and have a good sense of when they present themselves. Uh, so uh, we might not go as much into detail into the medicine, medical part, but we still have to be aware of it. Uh, so I, I feel that uh, those stereotypes are the one that I would want to take away. Uh, orthopedics has is actually very broad in the scope of what it approaches. So the second part of our, our podcast is really, we want to know about how you landed where you are. Um, and you've alluded to it a little bit, but if you don't mind going back into more detail. So can you tell us the story of how you got to this point in your career, including education, um, decisions that you might have made between two or more paths, and, and ultimately how you picked the choices that led you to this point. I hope you have a lot of time, uh, but I th <laughs> it's a bit convoluted. So if we start, actually started medical school in Paris. In, in France, you get into med school when you get out of uh, high school, and it was kind of uh, by default. Students uh, either went into engineering or medicine, and my family pushed me into medicine, so I just went there. And I went there by default, and gone into med school, it was a classified exam. And when I was on the wards, there was no passion. Uh, I was getting there, I ended up there, and, and really you were just like a, a clerk, uh, just filling up paperwork and things like that. And uh, I was always passionate about computers. Uh, so uh, my parents wanted to immigrate to Canada, I had this opportunity, so I just dropped my, my medical school entrance in France, and people thought I was crazy, and I moved to Canada just to learn about computers. So I fulfilled like a, a really true interest of mine, which was computers, and when I was at the, at the University of Toronto learning about software engineering, the bubble burst. So when I got out of there, there was no jobs. 2002, all the uh, high tech and Nortel and everything just crashed. And there I was again, uh, applying to med school. And luckily I got in. And so I was like, well, I won't have a job, but I, <laughs> I tried to do something in Canada. So I re-entered uh, medical school. I, I mean, in some sense, I, I found that interesting. I just, the light wasn't there yet. 
And through medical school, because in my family, we have a few doctors and who are like, the only real medicine is cardiology. It's the only organ that, that's worth something. <laughs> I was convinced I had to be a, you know, a cardiologist or a cardiac surgeon or something. I went to the Heart Institute and did cardiology, did my electives and all that things. But I, I, I didn't find the flame. Like a lot of people, like a lot of medical students, then people were like, well, you have to look into your quality of life. So I was like, well, I know computers. I look into radiation oncology because there was a lot of playing with computers and focus of radiation there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it takes a certain kind of personality to have a population of only patients who have cancer. Uh, and, you know, the outcome is, isn't what I, I felt that was the most fulfilling. And I would say that by doing my electives in uh, in orthopedics, then I realized, wow, this is concrete. This is like, you know, people should come in, they're broken, you fix them, they walk, they get out, they walk. And then that's when the, the, my, really my passion came in. And I would, I would stay in the operating room all night long. I would stay on the wards. Like I would just, it would it'd just be pure pleasure to be there. And I think that, that that's what we should aim for. I think that a lot of time we apply to medical school for some reasons and we convince ourselves or we convince the admission committee that we want to be doctors, but, and we get there and we try to find the best deal. You know, what is special that's going to give me that and this and particularly quality of life. There's a saying in orthopedics, the quality of life is to do something you love. And I, I think that a lot of orthopedic surgeons, that's, that's the word that they live by. And I, I, I really feel that's how it attracts the people who are ready to like work so insanely and still feel that it's okay because they, they feel lucky to do that and they're passionate about it. I then applied to, to orthopedics. I went to, uh, to Montreal, had like uh, one of the uh, oldest uh, orthopedics program in, in Canada, if not the oldest. But I was very lucky because there was very good training there, we were very hands-on. And there I met a lot of mentors that guided me. And one of my mentors was uh, my PhD supervisor, a very renowned spine surgeon in pediatrics, Dr. Hubert Labelle. And he kind of got me into like a spine and, and made me think about the spine. And I did a PhD in, in, in that uh, using my, actually, somehow I used my software engineering degree and applied it and used like uh, artificial intelligence to study databases to guide surgical treatment. Uh, back then, it was very innovative. Now it's like all over the place. But, you know, it, it was something that it took a guy who just did software engineering and had this kind of interest. Uh, when I graduated, I went to the community first, did one year of general orthopedics. Then I ended up going and doing my fellowship in Boston, met another mentor of mine that really influenced and inspired me uh, with the uh, academic part of things, you know, like uh, uh, teaching and looking at the evidence. Why do we do what we do? Uh, is, it, is it proven? How do we make sure that it's, it's the best treatment that we have available? Uh, his name is Christopher Bono, and he's one of the chief at Mass General Hospital. So when I went back, having an academic career made sense to me, and then that's where I am right now doing like orthopedic spine and teaching residents, teaching fellows, doing research. One of the reasons many what I do it is, is also because to do spine, for example, and that's the reality of it, uh, is it's a tertiary care most of the time. Very few centers in Canada offer that as in the community. And if you want to do like big spine, you need some resources that require a tertiary care center. So that's how I ended up there. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, so throughout it, you kind of spoke about your exploration of different specialties and your electives and sort of the things that you enjoyed and the things that didn't light your fire to the same extent. Um, were there any sort of other factors that played into your decision other than kind of the the professional and the specialty itself? It's interesting because when you ask me that, I don't I don't really see those things because for me, it's, it's really the passion. I did not consider those the other things. 
for me, the job was what really mattered, what I was passionate about. When I got in, what I was expecting is to operate all night long. And for me, it felt normal. I think I, I, I had the passion and the endurance. I, I'm, I'm glad and happy that it's not the, my life nowadays. That's the thing as well, is that what you perceive right now might not be what's going to happen in 10, 15 years from now or the rest of your career. I think there's two things that the practice changes, right? So I explained to you that a trauma used to be done at night and that's what it was. And nowadays it's done during the day. The second thing is it's there's luck as well. You know, you don't decide who you work with, the group you're with. You may be lucky as I am where we have like eight on-call spine surgeon in my center. So I'm in call, on call one in eight. When I'm on call, I'm super happy because I get people who come in and are paralyzing and I get to help them and hopefully they deparalyze and I can help them. And that's something I'm passionate about. Uh, but it's not draining on, on my quality of life. But ultimately, if you choose a specialty solely based on that, then you might be a bit disappointed because if you're unlucky and you end up in a place that doesn't provide exactly the conditions and everything and you're doing something you don't like, then you're out of luck. So that's why uh, when you ask me this question for me, it's no, nothing else mattered. For me, it was that's a job that made sense to me. I get to fix people. It's fun. I don't have the feeling I'm going to work. I think that's a really valid answer and I appreciate the honesty because, you know, it, it's easy to, it's easy for a lot of people to say like, yeah, I consider this and that and the other thing. And I think it's important to have many different viewpoints and many different, you know, everybody makes the decision that's right for themselves. So I appreciate hearing about yours. So switching gears just a little bit, uh, and you spoke a little bit about being at a tertiary care and in, in a place with an academic and, and research focus. When did you develop an interest in research? Well, like you all, you try to bump up your CV and your resume. And uh, like I told you, I had an interest in cardiology. So I would go and apply for summer studentship in cardiology. I think that you have to use your, your strength. And, and in some ways, the thing happened that I did software engineering as an undergrad and it was of interest in, in many fields. So when I applied for my studentship, I was doing a basically using a, a statistical analysis and computer algorithm to study the heart movement. So that was my first introduction to, to research. And I found it was very interesting, uh, you know, to be able to combine computer science and medicine. And that was my first introduction. But I, I didn't feel like, because I didn't have the passion for the heart as much as I thought, that I would, research was my, what I would be passionate about or like having even an interest in. And when I got into orthopedics, then I was introduced to my mentor who was heavy on research. And I think he influenced me a lot. And so the potential about effectively using software engineering and artificial intelligence in a multicentric databases to optimize spine surgery. And I think using that and, and also once you start the process, I think it also gives you a, a more intellectual part than the the work that you have. I'll tell you something. It's like, I'm, I'm so glad I had that because when COVID hit, I was so happy I, I was a researcher because I, my, feel, my day was still filled with, you know, writing paper, writing grants, doing all those things. And I wasn't miserable. Like, you know, I, I was still filling my days with something and still advancing. Uh, so it offers another dimension. I'm passionate about clinical care. My favorite part of the job is to take care of patients. You know, they come, they're broken, they, they, they're suffering and, and you fix them one way or the other. And then, they're thankful. That's what I enjoy the most about the job. Uh, but the research, I think, is the intellectual part. It's uh, where you really use your brain to advance, hopefully, science, change things are done, or just 
understand better the literature and how you can improve it. And so that, that's why I, I got into research. And the, the, la the last one, and the truth is there as well, is that if you want to do SPAN, like I told you, you have to be in the tertiary center. And the tertiary center means you have to do academics. Academics is research, education, or leadership. I'm not much into politics and things. A teaching I do with my residents and from my background with a PhD, research is what made most sense and I felt that I could contribute the most. So that's how uh, I got into research. So you mentioned that, um, you know, when COVID hit, uh, you were lucky because you had sort of this research to fill your day. Um, but when we're talking sort of more about the typical day or week in your job, what, what does that look like? What's a, what's a typical day or a typical week for you? I've been very, very lucky in, uh, I, would, I would emphasize that again, is in the environment I, I landed on. Uh, at the Ottawa Hospital, I work with a group of four surgeons in orthopedics. Uh, we have four surgeons in neurosurgery, and uh, we have a very good quality of life. I don't, I would say that uh, it's typical for me, but I, I, I know that it's not necessarily what everybody could expect. But basically, my typical week would have two days uh, to three days of surgery, mostly two. You would expect in Canada in general, it's one to 1.5 days of surgery that most surgeons get. Uh, I, I would say I have got two to three because I condense a lot my time when I'm here. I say work hard, play hard. I work really hard and then I take time off. And that's my, my play hard part time. So I typically I work about, uh, I operate about two days a week. That would be my Monday or Friday. And then I would do two days of clinics and one day of research or changing, depending on the week. And so the classic day of surgery, usually surgery starts at eight o'clock. Uh, you do one or two cases and you end up, uh, you finish at 3.30. Uh, usually you have run the morning from seven to eight. So the, the day starts uh, a bit earlier. Uh, when you on call in my center, the, we're very lucky is when we're on call, we don't do anything else. We just on call. So if there's a, a surgery to do anything like that, I'm just freely available and uh, I do research or teaching activities. And, and the uh, clinic days is basically from eight uh, o'clock. I would see about uh, 10, uh, 10 patients in a half day and uh, I would something finish about 3.30 or 4. So as you can see, this is really good schedule. The truth of the matter is, is that I usually am at the hospital from seven o'clock starting with rounds and I finish uh, probably around uh, five, five thirty because there's also like all the academic things to do, uh, all the paperwork uh, and, and the teaching. So on average, I would say I probably work 10 hour days. Uh, so seven to five for five days a week. Uh, but that can vary and call in orthopedic spine or spine surgery in general. Uh, I'm also very lucky on that side is I only do spine calls. So when I started, I used to do trauma call. And that's what people have to realize is that is much more demanding because trauma call with orthopedics can, uh, I mean, you do all the hip fracture, uh, ankle fracture, all everything. So there's always work that needs to be done. And uh, you will uncle, you will be busy. Uh, spine surgery is a bit different uh, with respect to the quality of life. Uh, uh, we, we do, when do, we go in to do a case, uh, it might take all night long. Uh, it might be like a, you know, six, seven hours. So that's, that's demanding, but it's rare. And when it happens, you want to be there to do it because basically it's like a tumor that's paralyzing the patient. It's a patient that has a trauma, has a, has a, has a fracture that's pushing on the spinal cord. You have to decompress. So uh, that's what I like. Uh, you know, it's intense when it's there, but otherwise, most of the time, you know, it's, it's relatively uh, quiet. Um, so uh, that's a typical uh, schedule <laughs> that I would have. 
Is there a specific clinical encounter or, or experience uh, in your field that has been sort of particularly poignant for you in, in some way? Uh, there's two things. Something that changed my mind and, and led me to orthopedics. So when I was younger, uh, I my dad was in, an architect and he was in construction. So I would spend a lot of time on, on the field, like using power tools and things like that. And it might sound silly, but doing my emergency rotation, uh, there's a guy who had a, a, nail, a nail gun and, and basically put the nail in his foot. And everybody was looking at that like, oh, ah, what, what is happening? So once they made sure that you could just pull on it, that it's not pressing an artery or that there wasn't anything on the way. And everybody was looking at this nail and was like, well, what do we do with that? And you know, the people in the emergency were just like, well, just take a needle driver. And it wasn't strong enough to pull on it. And I always just went, the, the, the site at the hospital was on construction. So I went to the construction guys and I said, you have the biggest plier that you have. And that's how we pulled it out from his foot. But I, <laughs> I, I often say that story about my specialty because, uh, you know, you have to be practical and things have to make sense to you. So go some, like for me, orthopedics made sense because I kind of was like introduced to, you know, the biomechanics or like playing with tools or things like that. And, and and modifying uh, structures. And that just made sense to me. And, and so that, you know, and even, I would say as a medical student, that's what my, I was like, that was my aha moment. Like I was still in my mind, I'm going to do into cardiology or really short oncology for my quality of life or just be cool because I'm a, I do something with the heart. But like, I was like, no, you know, I, I like this stuff. And so that that's what I got me into uh, orthopedics. For my specialty and spine, I would tell you that it's not one moment. It's it's nearly every day uh, when I go to surgery. One of the most basic surgery that we do in spine surgery is a microdiscectomy. So basically, the patient comes in, has a nerve that's impinged from a disc, can't walk, is miserable. You look at the MRI, there's a disc that's pushing on the nerve, and you go in, you do a 45-minute surgery, you take off that pressure from their nerve, they wake up, they had weakness there, they don't have weakness anymore, you raise their leg, they don't have pain, they shoot down their leg, you did that, and they're thankful forever. And I mean, like, literally, that's, you know, one of my days, sometimes I, I do three of those in a day, and that's my favorite day. The patient are thankful. That's that's what's uh, special for me. Uh, it, and it happens uh, all, all the time. When I used to do orthopedic surgery in general, you have the same kind of satisfaction. Uh, you do a hip surgery, or, and the patient has a groin pain. They come in, you, you put an artificial hip, and they walk out two or three days after and they don't have pain anymore. They're very thankful. I find in spine, like especially those microdiscectomies, it's even instantaneous. When they wake up in the wake-up room, you see the difference. And and for me, that's that's really uh, the pleasure and then the, the, the thankfulness of the patient. Now, all the outcomes are not always like that. Don't get me wrong. Uh, spine is very challenging because there are so many things to take in, uh, into consideration. Uh, but uh, I would say that if you like that, being able to make a big change in someone's life with your hands and with technique, uh, I think that's that's what I find, I find fascinating about uh, orthopedic spine surgery. That's great insight into, I think, what probably a lot of people who go into orthopedics love about it. Um, and I think that that's really great advice. Given that clinical exposure is currently very limited, non-existent, thanks to COVID, what are some things about your specialty or your job specifically that you don't really see on paper. Well, I, th I think it's uh, the operating room, right? You you can't really see all the technicality or 
the uh, w- what it takes when you, you take a patient from outside or when they come in the emerge and they fell and they broke their hip or they broke their ankle and then you take care of them there and then after they bring them to the OR you actually fix them and then you follow them uh, on, on the wards and you see how they rehabilitate and able to walk out. That's part that I think is, is best in, in orthopedic surgery. Some other s- surgeries in um, vascular or in cardiac or in uh, in uh, general surgery, they're very sick patients. And I think that it takes a different kind of, of, of mentality uh, to go into that on neurosurgery, which, you know, spine surgery can be taken by neurosurgery or orthopedic surgery. But overall, spine uh, orthopedic surgery is, is, if I can call it, fun because well, a patient comes in, they, they broke something, but they can still talk to you. They're, they're hurting, but you can like uh, see the picture and then uh, you you fix it, and and then you see the same patient and they're able to walk again, or you know they get out of there and then they don't they don't hurt from their fracture and they have a cast and then you see them again and and they're healed in six weeks after. So that satisfaction is something that you can't really read about. Now, what I would say that uh, unfortunately the clinical experience that you're missing the most on is not really being on the wards and grounding and things like that. I think it's the interaction with the patient and what makes you feel that you're doing something that would be worth doing for the rest of your life. Uh, I, I mean that, you know, when I was investigating in, into doing, for example, cardiology, I was looking at the guys and they were like, you know, passionate about hearing one boom, boom, or two boom, boom, or when, you know, <laughs> when the, and, and, and they would talk about that and draw, on the board for hours and thinking about the various kind of stenosis there were, and that was what really drove them. And they would listen to the heart of the patient and be super happy about that. So I think that's the thing that you're kind of gonna miss by not being exposed. But I still think that by learning about it or reading about it, you can have a certain insight about the specialty. And that if that triggers you, then I I think that you probably would probably be happy about that. I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> that is no, that was perfect. Um, chuckling about the one <laughs> boom, boom, two boom, boom. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and and now I just made fun of orthopedic surgeons. You know, like uh, we have to be able to make fun of ourselves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this question's a little bit less specific to to spine surgery because you you know we've talked about that being in a in a tertiary center, but perhaps more specific to orthopedics. We have heard that specialties vary fairly heavily based on practice setting. So um, how does orthopedics kind of vary in a community setting versus uh, a, a tertiary care center? Well, luckily, I did both. So I can tell you all about that. Excellent. Um, <laughs> so uh, before I left for fellowship, I did one year in the community. And I would say that uh, it's a very interesting question that you're asking and a very important one. I just had a talk with one of my residents today about that. We are only exposed or mainly exposed to the academic centers. And I know that you girls are uh, coming from a, Ni- a Niagara campus, so you may be more exposed to the community. And that's a, that's a big luck that you have. The practices are different in the way that the focus is changed. When you're in the community, I think you do one of the things that I love the most about being a doctor. You take care of patients. And your focus is that all your work is taking care of patients. And as an orthopedic surgeon, it's just clinic and OR, and that's it, and being on call. You still 
improve your knowledge by you know going to conferences and uh, and reading and things like that some community centers have rounds among themselves along, uh, along amongst colleagues uh, but your exposure to maybe the the literature and the, the latest things is uh, there might be a small delay they might be i think uh, which i actually felt when i just graduated arrived in that community center which had excellent surgeons but there were some things that you know maybe their awareness was maybe delayed by one or two years uh, but it didn't change you know the, the patient care uh, it's just how you're exposed to it in the academic centers there's a lot more paperwork and a lot more uh, maybe politics i would say but also you get some opportunities that you could not have necessarily in in the uh, in the community and by that i mean like if you want to do things that are at the edge of medicine uh what i mean by that is some people who do community spine and it's rare and because of that is like you can do the small discectomies one level fusion but if you want to do really uh you can do like a a, a simple hip arthroplasty some cases you might do revision arthroplasty but you don't do you don't usually do it like they refer to specialist centers. So when you want to do like the the last nine kind of surgeries, or like the oncology surgeries, what you do a resection, you take off like a whole femur or take off a whole vertebrae, then that's when you look into the academic center. And for that, that's when you need to have like the latest stuff. Uh, your, your knowledge has to be very specialized, uh, and uh, that that's where the difference is. And in order to be in such a setting, to be able to work with other spe- subspecialties, then it, it's a bigger structure. And uh, that's where the, uh, maybe there's more of the uh, the paperwork, uh, more of like dealing with other things where the leadership is more important because it's more complex. Uh, in addition to which you add uh, teaching, uh, which is often uh, present in the tertiary care center. And that's something that uh, you gain from because you always have to keep up to date. You're teaching the people who are going to graduate. So you want to teach them the later stuff. You want to be aware of the later stuff. And um, and, and that, that, I think that's, that's where you have to look into what interests you. Uh, I, I would tell uh, it fits all kind of personalities. I was as happy in being the community as I am right now. The only difference is that I'm truly passionate about the spine and doing spine surgery, doing uh, deformity surgeries. The discectomy I just explained to you. Uh, this is what what makes me happy, and that's why I I, I agreed to go into academics and take on all the other things that also bring me a lot. But you know give me a bit less of that patient care that I really like, uh, but it's worth it because I get to do the patient care that I, I, I am passionate about. Thank you for sharing that with us. It's it's really helpful to get a picture of kind of the difference between the community setting versus the academic setting. And you're right, I think, you know, everybody who's in medical school were affiliated with an academic institution. And so it's it's hard to get a sense of sort of what those different practice areas look like. Um, what research project or publication are you most proud of or passionate about? Yeah, so I think that the project that I'm the most involved and proud about is the work that I've done with prediction of walking and uh, analyzing databases uh, to improve outcome for traumatic spinal cord injuries. And so there's, there's twofold to that. In Canada, we're very lucky because we work. I work with uh, spine surgeons across the country, and we're it's a more small crowd. Like we're maybe 150 or 200 spine surgeons, and what we did is we did a study where we tried to predict patients' ability to walk after a trauma, uh, traumatic spinal cord injury. 
And I, I, I'm very proud of that work because uh, I think it, when I did that work, I actually hired a, a, a summer medical student uh, to do that work, Katie Hicks, who's now uh, doing plastic surgery in Toronto. And she did the work and we analyzed it. We did the, we worked with the people from across the country and we published a paper that, uh, that was very well recognized, uh, got a prize from the Kenyan Orthopedic Association. And I, I was part of that project because I think the outcome was interesting. Uh, it advances the science in some ways for something that's very important. And also in the context of doing that work, uh, I trained medical students. So that was really for me the work that I've, I'm the most interested and proud of because it's allowed me to teach, to advance a bit science, and uh, it was received by the community and found interesting. And also, I continue that work now because you know I get to work with uh, people from across the country on that, and I'm going to apply, uh, you know, um, artificial intelligence to try to reclassify traumatic spinal cord injuries. And it's a population I think that we need to know more about. Uh, we treat them, but we don't, we're not very well aware about how they do after, how we can make it better for them. So it's a very vulnerable population that uh, I, I want us to treat better. And I think that's a, an area where my knowledge or, you know, that use of computers and the fact that we have the opportunity to study a national database can benefit from uh, the computer science that I, I know of. And, and that's why I think that work is, is probably, probably the most relevant. Thanks for sharing that. That's neither Hannah nor I took the most direct route to medical school. So it's always nice when you hear about how other people's perhaps less direct paths have turned into something quite fortuitous and um, fruitful. But, you know, it's an interesting thing that you say that because I think that uh, in the Kenyan system or the North American system, it's a huge strength to have students who don't have the typical route. Uh, when I was in France and in Quebec as well, you, you know, medical students get in after high school and they haven't lived and they graduate the doctor at 22 years old. Uh, in France, it's six years old, you're 24 years old and you haven't known anything else. And I think that the, uh, among the surgeons that I, you know, admired the most is like they've lived, so, they've lived a lot before and, you know, they can have their past life influence their medical life. And I, I think that's a, that's a strength in the system. Uh, now, it's also a strength to have young doctors because they can work l longer and take so long to become a doctor anyway. So, I mean, the European way has uh, its own strength, but I think that uh, that's something that uh, we can be proud about in the Canadian and North American system is that those mature students bring so much to the medical community. Thank you. Our last question is fairly open-ended. Just any final words of wisdom or advice you have for students that are considering a career like yours? I think uh, I, I made my, my work pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope, you know, uh, I hope that my descriptions will have enlightened a bit about orthopedics and, and spine particularly. Uh, I mean, be passionate. When you choose your specialty, choose something that when, when somebody will wake you up in the middle of the night because you're on call or something like that, you'd be glad to be doing. Choose something that when you're held back and that at home you have to take care of your family and things, like it's worthwhile, you know, and then you, you, you make the most of your abilities. I do find that sometimes people get into some specialties for the wrong reason. That would be prestigious. And by prestigious, I mean, well, you know, so it's cool to be a surgeon and your ego has no place uh, in, in that. Uh, it shouldn't be. Surgeons, particularly, uh, you have to be a team player. It's not about you. You can be a good surgeon if you're not good within a team. 
my my biggest advice can be uh, to be passionate what you choose to be a good doctor because and to be good with your patients because I, I really don't believe that you can be if you're not if, you, if you're not passionate. It's good advice. Thank you so much for your words of wisdom and thank you for joining us on our podcast. It was a pleasure to hear you speak, um, and thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Northern Exposure. To suggest a guest, send us feedback, or learn more, check out our website, northernexposurepodcast.ca. We are both medical students at McMaster's Michael G. DeGroote School of Medicine, but this podcast is in no way affiliated with the school or program, and all views expressed are ours alone. Views expressed by guests on our show are personal opinions and should not be considered representative of any organization, university, or hospital with which they may be affiliated. Included music is The Strip by Mila from the Free Music Archive, utilized under the Creative Commons Share Like License. Thank you.